0: Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf, filling out mock drafts leading up to the actual draft in April, filling out March Madness brackets that are going to be dumpster fires within the first weekend of the tournament here. But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York.
2: You're listening to DraftKings Network.
0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. Mike Golik Jr., Jesse Cofield, Jason Fitz. And guys, it is a Wednesday. Well, no, it's not a Wednesday. Wow! Oh, you know what? The thing happened to me that I always worry about happening to people. So working in sports talk radio for a long time, one of the things that would happen, and Fitz knows this very well, is – at times around certain events, they would put us on for a longer show or a shorter show. And at times in the morning, I was working 4 to 6 a.m. for a while on ESPN radio. And there were sometimes after a big event late night, they would actually have us go on from 3 to 6. And they would have us go in even earlier to do that. And I would always have to remind people or warn people, hey, if you're hearing my voice right now, don't panic. You're not late on your alarm. I'm just early on the show. You're not missing the appointment you're supposed to be at. We're here a little bit earlier because at this point there's a rhythm and a cadence to things that people get used to when they've got certain things they expect at certain times. And so in my, I mean, infinite, whatever the lack of wisdom is, idiocy i hear and see charlotte wilder our dear friend and the co-host of oddball with El hassan on the DraftKings network and i immediately thought wednesday even though it is in fact now a wilder tuesday so charlotte how you doing bud sorry for that really convoluted intro
3: no i'm so sorry to everybody who now thinks it's wednesday because it's not it's still tuesday and you have i was about to say four more days but i guess it's three more. Math has never been my strong suit. Um, I'm just so happy to be here with you guys. <laughs> Jason, Jesse, Mike. Just just always a pleasure.
4: We yeah. all know it's Tuesday because Monday Night Football was last night. We all know that because the Raiders won. So I don't know how you guys Uh could possibly get your days. I'm sorry. I hadn't brought it up in a few minutes, so I just it doesn't happen often. Let me have my moments. Well, we've got two opposite
0: ends of the spectrum right now, really, Uh which is Uh why I'm concerned because we've got Jason rolling in here as hot as ever. The guy's drunk on Vegas bombs last night. He smells like booze even through the Zoom chat this morning. And then Charlotte Wilder and her New England Patriots are going through I would say the biggest crisis of their modern life and a team that through, dealt with scandal and a number of things around a program that was ultimately very good at football. Charlotte, now you guys are very not good at football. And I have been amazed at how quickly the people around New England have turned on Bill Belichick.
3: Well, first of all, the scandals were fun when we were winning and we could, we, the scandals Mm. were fun when the Patriots were winning and it could be like, it's us against the world. You guys just don't understand. If you're not cheating, you're not trying. Like Whatever. Uh, it's less fun when when your team isn't cheating. They're just bad. Like, maybe we should try cheating.
2: Should we try that? Yeah, that, Would could, that help? That could turn things around, a little cheating. That is true. The know.
0: Patriots need to show us that they actually care again by trying to do something nefarious to gain an advantage that they clearly need on offense at this point.
3: Look, I mean, I- also... Sorry, I just um I could Jason, please talk. I am uh, no, I, am, I, just,
4: I I just think it should be pointed out if you can win the way y'all won for generations and cheat while you're doing it, I don't care. Like look, uh, everybody can take the moral high ground and say, oh, it's so wrong. They're cheaters, but you know damn well that if I could watch the Raiders win a bunch of Super Bowls, I don't care who we cheat in the process. I don't care how much we lie in the process. I don't care how you can you can talk about your asterisks all day long. I don't care if it gets me a handful of Super Bowls. Cheap, 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 more cheap. I don't care.
3: It was so fun. It was so fun to be that good for that long. It felt, it started to feel like I think I'm in the minority here uh, among Patriots fans, but it felt, I started to feel like sort of bad about it. I started to feel a little grimy, be like, oh my God, we're going to the Super Bowl again. Like, sorry. Like it was, like it was so, it felt gluttonous. It felt like you were ruining
0: other people's fun by having so much of it yourself. It felt gluttonous.
3: Yeah, but but I but until but now I'm like oh I shouldn't have felt bad at all because because through the bad like through feeling like oh I don't know this feels like we're having too much of a good thing but it was so fun like it was exhilarating to have a team where stepped onto the field and you were like I don't care if we're down literally down 28 you 25 points like this is in the bag and it was um and I think now It's sort of fascinating. Like I I really can't fully understand, except that they just have nobody. There's nobody there. The people they did have. I mean, talk about the offense. Talk about the defense. Matthew Judon's hurt now. Christian Gonzalez. Like when both of those guys went down last game, I was like, why would I even tune in to next week? Like it's it's so abysmal. That it is very strange, too, because even when like even when you're a a fan of a bad team, especially one that has been good, you're sort of like, okay, well, we could turn it around. We could still turn it around. And I was thinking that through week two, week three and then week four, you start to be like, and after last after last week, I'm just like, this is this was not fun. I did not enjoy watching that at all. Let let
4: me let me chime in and help you here, Charlotte. Because thank you, Jason. as a as a fan of of the the Raiders, uh, two things. Number one, I just learned where I thought there would be nothing worse in the world than like a sympathy second date. You know, she's not really into you, but you were nice enough that she feels like you should go on a second date. Like that, I thought that a lot was of the worst experience there. Huh? A, a, a sympathy <laughs> Super Bowl, like that 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 hits different. Like the, ah, I feel so bad, but yeah, we're going back to the super bowl but but I can help you through this because I know what it's like to watch a team suck uh, for for years and still be a fan. So like you just got to you got to realize that what you're looking for much like a relationship, you're looking for one thread of a reason you can stay together <laughs> and then you over obsess over that one thread of a reason. You're like, "You know what? I here's the thing like I I really like this one player and you can invest in that and convince yourself that that one player who's really like a third string tight end is the guy that you're going to build around for the future. You get overly excited about that player for the whole year, even if your team's losing, you're like, ah, four catches for the third string tight end. I'm telling you, we got something like you find one fabric of like one thread that you can hold on to. And every week you make that the thing that motivates you to watch the game. I've, I've done it. For years, I remember so distinctly when the Raiders lost the Super Bowl. I looked at my buddy because they'd lost in weird ways for years leading up to that in the playoffs and the tuck rule and uh, the, the ravens Syracuse hit. I'd seen all of these weird moments. And I looked at my buddy after the Super Bowl and I said, you know what? I'd rather not even watch a playoff game. I'd rather not even make the playoffs than sit here and get my heart broken this way. The Raiders then went on to lose double-digit games for 13 straight years. So, like, you, you just got oh, so to learn to mediocrity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, 100%. It's all
0: my and fault. And, I mean, Fitz, uh, uh, on the other side of that hell you spoke into existence for yourself,
4: do you realize yeah. how dumb you sounded? Do you realize yes. what a bad yes. idea it was to say that? Yes. Like at this point I will take, I'll, I don't care if it's a losing team. I don't care if the Raiders win six games, if they somehow get a wild card spot, I'm throwing a party. We're going like, this is, this is it.
3: Yeah. I mean, it's like being a sports fan is not like fun. It's not, I think I said this last week. Like I had a very, very, very unrealistic experience as a new England Patriots fan. And now I'm like, Oh, this is what it's really like. Cause you see, you'll see misery, or I would see misery from NFL fans. And I'd be like, oh, sounds like it sucks, but like actually pretty fun. And now I'm like, oh my God. Like, e- even the thing you're talking about fits being like, pick that one player. That player for me was Christian Gonzalez. When they drafted him, I was psyched. And then watching him play these past few weeks, I was like, you know, what? even if we, if, even, even if the team sucks, like really fun to watch this guy. Like, this guy's great. And then and now that guy's not even there. so it, it, you know it feels like and, and I think the whole, I don't know, the, the, the whole Belichick of it all is such a stupid argument really, when you come down to it, because like, sure, since Brady left there 26 and 30, but Belichick gave Brady his defenses like the the whole thing is such a it's such a stupid thing to talk about in terms of like who was it? It's like it was yeah. both of them. Tom Brady's not playing football anymore now. Belichick is still coaching. I still think what I said last week about about when I talked to Mina our good from Mina Kimes, and she was like, Belichick, the coach is one thing. It's Belichick the GM who seems to be the problem. but i I'm so sick of the, like, who was it and where, does, where do you give credit because football is such a team sport and for a while he, you know, for 20 years Belichick did make it work with with players that, you know, were not maybe the highest draft picks and so now it's not working the same way it used to I don't know. I, well, I, I, I think Sh- Charlotte,
0: to your point there, I saw Bamani Jones tweeting about this yesterday. It's a racer of the beginning of that Patriots dynasty when Tom took yes. over and was not yet Tom Brady. And you had all of the names on the defensive side of the ball that were the bolster for that team, the backbone for that team. And the reason they were winning early on that set the foundation for all of this. And then you still had someone that created the surroundings there. I, I think. One of the most interesting things about considering the Belichick portion of this, fits is do we believe he's got the capacity to change again? I heard Dominique Foxworth and Kevin Clark talk about this yesterday, and I want to bring this to you guys because – one of the things they pointed out about Bill Belichick is, much like his counterpart Nick Saban in college, they've been able to change. They've always found ways to morph this team around Tom Brady and around the resources they had at the time to be successful in that current landscape, in that current environment. But now without Brady, you've got to change so drastically your thought process of how to do things. Like, do you guys think that he's capable of that at this stage in the game or even wants to at this stage of the game where he's gotten to operate one way for so long because of what he had in the building there? This specific cocktail of him, Brady and Kraft that allows you to basically operate the way they did under that umbrella for the rest of time here. Does he have that ability to change right now? And should he be given the opportunity to do so? I think yes, but I'm curious what you guys think.
4: Look, I I think. Part of this question, to your point, Mike, isn't about what anybody's done in the past. It's about looking forward right now for the next five years. Can Belichick get you back to where you wanted to be? Which would require getting somebody in at quarterback that's the right answer. Like I don't think the Patriots are living some unique issue here. They're living the, the issue most fan bases live. You drafted a guy in the first round at quarterback that isn't the answer. He's not good. And so now all of a sudden you can't mask everything else. This is what 90% of football fans have felt at some point in their life. So can Belichick sort of change? Maybe, but is it not also fair to look at the last few years and say that there's been a unique stubbornness to this is what I do. This is how I do it. I know what I'm doing. I'm the smartest guy in the room. And uh, Mike, you were one of the first people I ever worked with that talked about the fact that we talk a lot about coaching or, or player egos, I should say. But we don't talk a lot about coaching egos. And I don't think ego is necessarily a bad word here. Like when you've accomplished what Belichick's accomplished, you walk in and you say, I know what I'm doing. Well, do you? I mean, the roster's bad because of Belichick. The coaching hires have been bad because of Belichick. Like these are all things that have nothing to do with Coach Belichick. So, you know, has there been any indication leading up to right now that Bill Belichick is currently trying to change? And if the answer, and I don't think the answer to that is yes. So if the answer to that is no, why is this suddenly the awakening? Like Belichick, the coach, had to look at this and see, hey, there's a chance we might suck this year. Like he shouldn't be surprised by what Belichick, the GM and Belichick, the football operations dude, has put into Belichick, the coach's world. So I don't think there's a lot of opportunity to change because there's been no proof of concept that it's going to happen anytime in the last several years, Charlotte.
3: Yeah, no, I think that's I think that's a really funny way of putting it. It's like, how did we get here? And Belichick's looking around. It's like, like the guy in the hot dog suit being like, we're yep. all trying to find the guy who did this. <laughs> um, like, I I think that I think you're right. I think Mac Jones too. You know, I saw Dan Orlovsky saying that um, he would be great if he were with the Niners. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think that's necessarily true. I do think that environment determines so much of how a player operates and plays. I also can imagine that being this bad for this long feeds on itself. Like, that's not going to be the confidence boost that Mac Jones needs. I also think that there is a little bit of, not laziness, but like... Lack of fire, the way Belichick talks about all of this, you know, every game there people are like, Is Max still the starting quarterback? He's like, "Oh, uh, yep, still QB1. And it's like, why? It's like, I understand that Bailey Zappi, his numbers might be even worse, but it's like, well then why didn't you get somebody else? Like, what are we what are we doing? It just it's really it's mind blowing. And and part of me thinks, like, maybe this is a guy who and this is total speculation, but maybe he's like, you know what, I had a really good run. I'm I'm sort of tired. I don't really feel like revamping everything. Let's ride this out. I don't know.
0: Yeah, this feels it feels like he's either going to have one last great card to play or he's going to decide he doesn't want to do this anymore. Right. Like it's either going to be something that looks drastic or it's going to be a guy who decides I don't want to have to weather another storm. And this one being the most seismic of any storm he's had in the last two decades because of the position that it involves. I actually kind of agree with Dan to a point about Yeah, Mac Jones, given his skill set and what we knew about that player early on in his career before coaching went out here and played a part in screwing him up, going to the healthiest quarterback environment in football inside the Kyle Shanahan offense, probably would have done really well. It doesn't take away from anything that Brock Purdy's doing right now, but acknowledges what we all know and what you talked about there, Charlotte, which is environment matters. We watched Jacksonville almost destroy Trevor Lawrence with Urban Meyer for a year and then thankfully came in with the paddles and shocked him back to life getting Doug Peterson down there. That stuff happens all the time. We talk about it all the time. And yet when it stares us in the face, like it is now fits, I mean, look at you guys and Jimmy Garoppolo and the version of him you've got playing for the Raiders versus the version of him we saw in San Francisco. Gee, I wonder what changed like that stuff's not hard to figure out. And yet we try and make it the stinging indictment of anyone who plays quarterback in those offenses as if it means we're calling them a bum. It's not. We're acknowledging the fact that there are other positions and other
4: roles on a football team that matter. But there are also ways to receive information. Like I, I, At the time, back when I was with ESPN, I hosted some of the digital shows after the Tom Brady series, right? And I'll never forget the first episode when they were talking about Brady at the Super Bowl and, and his first Super Bowl, and he was super amped up behind behind the scenes. He was jumping up and down, and I think he said it was Brewski, that threw him up against the wall and was like, hey, I don't need this version of you. I need like normal Tom and like talked him down. He then talked in a later episode about how I think it was Willie McGinnis came to him and said, "Uh, you're partying too hard and you're not living the right way. And the way you're living is going to impact the way I make my livelihood. And Brady took that information and created TB12 so that he could take better care of his body. Like there are very unique things about Tom Brady in his ability to listen to critique from players that he respected. And also those players that he respected that knew that culture were already in the room to turn around and say, this is how you need to do business. I think if you look at this Mac Jones situation, I don't know who's that dog that's coming to Mac Jones and saying this is how it's going to be done. Who is that person? Is he receiving that information the right way? And also, given the relationship that Belichick has with Nick Saban, shouldn't they have been able to talk before this ever happened when you've got two close friends about who Mac Jones is as a quarterback and a human being to receive that information? So, like, all of this that has gone wrong just stacks on top of stacks on tops of stacks.
3: Well, I think people got I, – I think something that got a little bit muddled was everyone was talking about how high Mac Jones's football IQ was. Everybody was obsessed with the fact that, like, this dude can remember every play. You can put him into an offense, and he'll adapt immediately. And I think that that is a crutch for a lot of coaches, for a lot of staff in a building to be like, well, this guy's really smart, so, like, he'll figure it out. And it takes the onus off of them to be like, yeah, but you know what? He's also a kid. And we need, to in, we need to put this, 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 and this in place for him to thrive. I don't know. Maybe not Matt, Patricia, and Joe Judge. Like, still, still like. And like- especially not them if you're not going to have any dudes.
0: Like, you don't have any yeah. dudes. We do the X's and O's, Jimmy's and Joe's thing. Like, there aren't a lot of Jimmy's and Joe's to Fitz's point about who that person would be to come up with them on defense. There's some, but to Charlotte's point, a lot of them are hurt right now and reeling on a side of the ball that's trying to get their own stuff together and on offense there's not anybody there's nobody coming to save them on offense as the shirts read and that's part of the problem is matt jones for anything you wanted to say positive about him wasn't going to be a guy like mahomes and that group of quarterbacks that can come in and elevate beyond circumstance That's kind of always the way i look as the defining characteristic of what an elite quarterback is is are they better than the sum of the parts? Are they going to be able to do things outside of what the offense asks, even on the best day in that offense and what personnel are around them, even if they've got good personnel on that offense, are there things that you can point to and look at and say, that wouldn't happen if it was another guy under center for us there. There are very few of those people that exist and it's not an indictment of the rest of the quarterbacks around the league for not being that, but it's also, Hey, you got to be realistic about who you got and the Patriots even if you thought Mac Jones is whip smart and has a great release and has all these positive characteristics that I'm sure Nick and Bill talked about here. He ain't a guy that's going to go out there and make you better than that. He wasn't in Alabama. He didn't have to be at Alabama and in new England during his rookie season didn't have to be. But then after that, they felt like unnecessarily complicating the picture for a guy that needs to have a little bit more guidance
4: with that hand. I'm just saying though, whatever problems he has in his development with those coaches you mentioned again, Belichick's fault. I'm just going to keep piling yes. on. Belichick's fault. Well, that part yeah. is definitely he's got to wear.
3: I also think that something hilarious about sports is that if you're good for long enough, when you're bad, people will still talk about you. They've been bad for like three and a half years now, and we're like, but the Patriots, and that's a testament to a dynasty. So you know what? I'm gonna. That's where my hope is going to come from. At least we're still. At least the Patriots are still being talked about.
0: Charlotte saying, why are you so obsessed with me? Coming up next, <laughs> I give you the most perfectly on-brand comparison for this show and the New England Patriots next. It's the most wonderful time of the year. March Madness getting ready to go in college basketball. And we got some of the best stars in the sport finally trying to close the deal. Zach Eady at Purdue trying to see if he can cap off an historic career with a championship. Much like his counterpart on the women's side and Caitlin Clark, who's been one of the biggest names in sports this entire year. And is looking to see if she can snag that elusive championship that's eluded her during her career. Regardless of who makes it to that final game of the tourney, though, one thing's for certain. It's going to take the most talented people like the two I just mentioned working together to help these teams play at a high level. If you're hiring, you want the most talented people on your team to help your business go to the next level. How do you find them? ZipRecruiter. And right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com Gojo. ZipRecruiter uses matching technology to score excellent candidates for your job. Immediately after you post your job, ZipRecruiter's powerful technology starts showing you qualified people for it. And once you review your list of the most qualified candidates for your job, you can easily invite your top choices to apply, so they're more likely to apply sooner. Pick ZipRecruiter to help you build a winning team. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free, ZipRecruiter.com slash Gojo. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash Gojo. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire.
2: Welcome back to Gojo and Glowick. I'm Jesse Cofield. Week five took a toll. Let's get into some injury news and updates. So guys, Justin Jefferson the Vikings plan to place him on injured reserve due to the hamstring injury that he suffered on Sunday. So that means he's going to miss four games, and then they're going to reevaluate him after that period of time, see if he needs more time. Another one to note that we have an update on, Devon A. Chan, he is expected to miss multiple weeks with the knee injury. He is a candidate for injured reserve, according to sources. So some not great injury news after week five, guys.
0: Yeah, brutal news there. Uh, Devon Achan, who'd been a rookie sensation so far this season for the Miami Dolphins, I, I, I don't want to sound callous because he's been a great player and he's going to continue to be an important player for that team. But for the Miami Dolphins, you have a depth of high-speed talent that makes you more capable than most to absorb that kind of loss with what you're capable of around him still. But guys, for Justin Jefferson, this one stat, from Adam Schefter underscores exactly what the Vikings lose on offense with this player. Adam Schefter, ESPN NFL insider tweeted, the Vikings play the bears this week, but they will be without Justin Jefferson, Justin Jefferson, who has 5,396 career receiving yards in 55 NFL games, more than any Chicago bears player in their 100 year history. The Bears' all-time leading receiver is Johnny Morris with 5,059 receiving yards. So Justin Jefferson, 55 years into his 55 games into his NFL career, has trumped anything that any Bears receiver has done ever and now will be no longer on the field for that Vikings team. An absolutely seismic loss.
4: Uh, uh, By the way, you're underselling the Devon Achan loss and what it means to my fantasy team, but fine. Uh, Justin Jefferson, uh, the the craziest part about this is look at the Vikings, what they did this offseason. And I think they sort of told you this off season. That they realized last year they wouldn't, where they were not as good as their record, right? So they started ripping some of this apart. Uh, they signed some new contracts that I think are long term. I think there's been a a point of emphasis on we need to reset at the quarterback position at some point. Justin Jefferson being out for a prolonged amount of time is bad for the Vikings this year. But the Vikings are sneaky a tank candidate to me. Like Mm -hmm. Where they sit right now and where they will sit throughout the course of the year, Kirk Cousins is going to be a quarterback somewhere else. And the Vikings are going to be hoping that they're one of those teams that because of injury and other chaos slips to the point that they can get their next quarterback and reset at that position but still keep some of the talent around that they need. I I think actually internally they'll never say it out loud, Charlotte, but if I'm the Vikings – I'm okay with this. Like, we weren't going to win the Super Bowl this year anyway, so let's press reset.
3: Yeah, I mean, maybe continuing with that, they're sort of like, "Well, okay, Justin, will get some rest. We'll keep we'll keep him healthy." I mean, no, I I don't know. I that that stat is incredible. I I interviewed Justin when he was a rookie in in I guess it was twenty. It was before the twenty twenty one Super Bowl, and he was just like such a delightful. Person. Like he was so, he was, he was goofy and, and fun. And I think it's so exciting when you see someone who is so, um, unbelievable on the field. And then that intensity is also paired with a sort of goofiness. Um, I that has nothing to do with Kirk Cousins or the the quarterback. I just I just I whenever I hear Justin Jefferson, you know, there's some guys that if you work in sports media long enough that you've talked to or or, and you just always sort of root for them. um, Also, like the Bears, I, I feel like the Vikings might be able to do this without him, without Justin. And
0: if the if the Justin Fields from the last couple of weeks and that offense continue to show up, this could be a little bit dicey. It's going to be a nonstop blitzing from Brian Flores on the other side without the threat of that big play to Fitz's point. They added Jordan Addison in this offseason at the very least. So you've got another competent receiving off, uh, option there. Uh, you paid T.J. Hawkins and all these things that are going to be guys that offset that. But the whole thing doesn't work without Justin Jefferson and what he occupies in the hearts, minds and game plans of other teams coming in. So that is going to be uh, an interesting now addition to the NFC North picture. We talked about from before guys, let's get to a few superlatives from this week in the NFL. It's Tuesday. We usually like to do this around here Um, and starting off with that guys. uh, Let's go for who gets an A for effort from this past week, looking around a losing effort around the NFL, but still managed to go out there and perform really well. Adam Thielen was one in a in uh, a game there. Uh, For the Carolina Panthers and a team who struggled passing the ball this year, Jaleel McLaughlin, who had his name spelled wrong on his jersey originally, and then Cooper Cup or C.J. Stroud. Guys, to me, I would probably go with Cooper Cup and what he meant for this Los Angeles Rams passing attack coming back off IR and performing as well as he did with over 100 receiving yards in that first game back. In an nfc picture that's a little bit murky i think that goes a long way in continuing to drive home that this los angeles rams team can absolutely be a playoff team this season if they continue to play
4: this way on offense i mean i like that call mike but also why is it we live in a world i'm just i'm just throwing this out there haven't really thought it through but why do we live in a world where every quarterback that has success in some system we're like well it's just a system and then. Like, we see receiver after receiver after receiver put up massive yards for the Rams, and we never want to say it's just a system. I'm just – I think that you, even you right now, could go in and still catch three or four passes for 22, 23 yards total in that offense. Like, if we're giving an A for the effort here, it goes to C.J. Stroud, right? Like, because if you look at the way C.J. Stroud is playing, not only efficiently, not only throwing the ball downfield, not only not making mistakes – but he did everything he could to bring the Texans to that game and to that win. Uh, obviously, they don't get it because of the last second kick by Atlanta. But C.J. Stroud in a losing effort far exceeds a system wide receiver, just putting up more system wide receiver yards from another system wide receiver. That's my shade wow. to the wide receivers.
3: Wow. I You stole mine, Fitz. I was oh, going to they- say C.J. Stroud. Um, he had 177 straight passing attempts without throwing an interception as a rookie, which is crazy. I also just think it's, you know, it's such a statement on the NFL and how quickly things can change that we're talking about a Texans and a Falcons game as being like, oh, my God. Like, that was a that was an impressive battle. And at the last minute, uh, you know, the, the Falcons won. It's like, sorry, what? <laughs> like, um, and, Yeah, I'm like, yeah, how? But. I've loved watching him and I love the end of that game was so exciting. Um, I think it's also just so lovely for everybody in Houston where the fans have not had the greatest string of news over the past five years um, to be like, here's a fresh start. Here's a guy that you can clearly start thinking, wow, this is really our future. Um, So I would also I would also give it to CJ Mike.
0: All right, we'll go quickly on this one, guys. Going to superlatives at this point in the segment was a bad idea by me, but we're all going to give our favorite history-making moment from the weekend here. Is it the Dolphins offense outpacing everyone in NFL history through five games? Christian McCaffrey's consecutive touchdown streak, Patrick Mahomes now officially being the youngest quarterback to ever beat all other 31 teams, or... Alvin Kamara, now the franchise leader in touchdowns for the New Orleans Saints here from a running back. Uh, Jason, I'll start with you. Most impressive history from the weekend.
4: Yeah, Mahomes beating all 31 teams because now I can just continue to say, look, what did you expect? We were taking on Mahomes when I encapsulate this entire era of being a Raiders fan. So, uh, yeah, it's all about Mahomes and his dominance that I have no choice but to acknowledge, Charlotte.
3: Probably Mahomes, yes, but also McCaffrey because I'm in a Justice for Running Backs mode this season. And (laughs) I like seeing what he's doing and being like, pay them, pay them all.
0: (laughs) You know what, especially for a show that just had a running back on here who did baller things this week and was in a backfield with Jonathan Taylor who did get paid, I do like that. And we're a heavily pro-union show here anyway, so we want to make sure that all these guys get paid for being really, really good at what they do. Christian McCaffrey is one of those guys that's deservedly gotten that payday, and now he's balling outrageous. I would probably side with you as well on that, Charlotte, with Christian McCaffrey, what he's done since that trade, especially the background of being hurt as much as he was towards the end of his time in Carolina, nothing short of exemplary
3: yes <laughs>
0: That's... oh sorry guys someone had the uh, out time wrong in this so we got a whole another minute here we get to vamp right now on that uh <laughs> This has just been a comedy of errors in this segment at this point. So we're just going to ride it all the way to the break here. Charlotte, how's the rest of your week looking?
3: Oh, you know, pretty good. Uh, Amin will be in New York for for an oddball in person in New York studios. So uh, everybody should tune in to that. DraftKings every day but Monday at 530 Eastern. Um And that, you know, and my brother-in-law is getting married. So shout out to Connor! Oh, congratulations. Oh,
0: let's go. Charlotte Wilder, our show's foremost wife guy, showing up here now, getting yes. to support yet another union.
3: Thank you. Yeah, it's very pro-union on this show, Mike. What about you guys? How's your guys <laughs> <looks> looking?
0: <laughs> very pro-union. Coming up next, we're going to get away from this dumpster fire of a segment and go to a pre-taped interview for you guys.
2: Welcome back to Gojo and Golick. Let's check in on October baseball and our NLDS series. So the Braves with a 5-4 comeback victory to even the series with the Phillies 1-1 and Braves did what they do best. Homer, two late inning home runs from Travis DeArno and Austin Riley, lift Atlanta over Philly, plus a historic game-ending double play. First double play ever involving an outfielder to end a postseason game. Then, of course, we have the Diamondbacks with a 4-2 win over the Dodgers. They're up 2-0 in this series. The third wild card team, Team D-backs now have won four straight games, have the Dodgers on the brink of elimination. Really exciting stuff here. And yesterday, Gojo and Gola got a chance to talk playoff baseball with former Major League outfielder Eric Burns. Take a look.
0: All right, pumped to welcome in Eric Burns, former Major Leaguer, current MLB analyst. Talks some postseason baseball. Eric, how's it been for you so far, man? have you enjoyed this postseason run? It's
1: been great. I think you've seen... The Diamondbacks and what they're capable of doing, it's my former team, so obviously I'm a little biased in that sense, But and it's a team that's so easy to overlook, but they have one of the best young players that I've seen in a long time, and Corbin Carroll, I think the fact that he's five foot nothing uh, makes him <laughs> even that much more entertaining. There's a thing, guys, it, it, that we used to reference all the time. It's called tension-free barrel release, and when you watch somebody hit Uh, it's, it's like they're short to it and then they get here and then, and then it's just, it just goes and they hit these balls that you think are going to, maybe they might just like sneak over the fence and it ends up going 450 feet. That's Corbin Carroll. He hits these balls. You're like, Oh, I think he hit that pretty well. And then it's 440, 450 feet. You're like, dude, how is this little guy doing it? So I mean, this guy's a, a guy after my heart. Yeah, I mean the the small hitter is like that that wee golfer that can drive at
0: 350 yards and we have no idea how they do it, yet yet they are able to do it. I I, I want to ask about the Baltimore Orioles. Had an incredible year, 101 wins down in in this series uh to Texas two zip. Are they in a position while you never take the playoffs for granted of, hey, we're happy we're here and we got here. We think we could
1: make a run for a while. Yeah, Mike, you know what? I just my So my thing with the Orioles was that they they haven't been there before. And you had a manager in Brandon Hyde who has gone through the trenches with this group to finally get to the spot where they've won 100 games, uh, incredible turnaround, great young talent. The Orioles aren't going anywhere. So uh, as long as they can keep a decent staff and a decent bullpen around them, this team's going to be good for a long time. But – as we all know, like going through the postseason is different than the regular season. And so when you have a guy like Bruce Bochi, three world championships on the other side with the Texas Rangers, they're, they're going to be up against it. And that was if you look at the money, that was pretty much a pick'em series. And if you if you look just straight at the numbers, you're like, man, that should be a pick series. That should be the Orioles should be winning this. I just had a feeling Texas was going was gonna to figure out a way to get this done. Houston and Minnesota evened up at one game apiece. But overall for Houston, outside of Houston fans, are they still hated for their whole sign-stealing, trash-can-banging situation? Yeah, I do, Mike. I think so. I it, People won't get over it, but at this point, who cares? If you're them, you put both middle fingers up to the world and say, so what? Uh, it's we're always going to hear this i'll say always but that's not going away anytime soon now the irony though is that uh, let's just say a guy that uh, allegedly was a big part of the sign stealing scheme is now on the other side with the minnesota twins and had a huge hand (laughs) in defeating the astros i i'll tell you guys this so i i did a savannah banana thing uh just recently with josh reddick and i was asking reddick about that 2017 game and the sign stealing and how the whole thing went down and he told me that he's like look there, this a lot of this is public but carlos beltron's like guys like we're, we're behind the curve on this and so beltron in the way that he came up and was groomed through the system was like this is what we do and it became more advanced and more advanced and more advanced. But he said at first, all they cared about was picking signs, right? And then it was this wait, hold on a second. We have this feed here, this is too easy. But he said they all realized that once they're like, dude, this is stupid. Like they're going to figure this stuff out. Now, he did say that there was one player specifically, and he said there was multiple, but one specifically. Who has been absolutely battered for this yet never ever 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 stole a sign nor wanted a sign stolen nor was happy with it jose Altuve. wow how about that of all yeah. the crap that Altuve's gotten all of it 100 percent you boys in the hey boys in the trenches know right you're in the dugout you know you know who's doing what and he never stole a sign so Ultimately, yeah, everyone hates the Astros. We know they hate the Astros, but I think there's a lot of people that don't care for Carlos Correa either, and now they're facing off against each other. gods, be bygones, man. I mean, it's, it's it's what it is.
0: You mentioned the banana stuff here. You've had a, while, for a couple of different roles with this team. Did I see most recently director of chaos? What does a director of chaos do for the Cedibana Bananas that have become this cult phenomenon across the country right now?
1: I, well, basically what happened is they, they reached out to me. Bill Leroy, who's their star catcher, he sends me a message on Instagram. He goes, yo, man, have you ever heard of the Savannah Bananas? <laughs> no, but that's the greatest name in all the sports. That's fantastic. Tell me more. And so I just learned about them. They were a college summer league team, and they uh, were planning this, quote-unquote, world tour. And Because when they played in the college summer league, they couldn't do all the – crazy stuff that they do because they're actually playing real baseball right so they couldn't play their banana ball rules they did this one city world tour and then it went amazing and they played by these different rules and then they got to take their dancing next place to the next level in the meantime they're building up this nice social following they're like hey look why don't you come out here like we want to get you involved with this it was like a 14 game world tour seven cities and so on a whim I i went out there and manage the team through that. And I would call it manage, but it's basically director of chaos. And <laughs> it was awesome. It was one of the better experiences that I've had in my life. If you guys haven't seen it, it's called Banana Land. It was on ESPN Plus. It's worth checking out. It just it really tells you the whole story of they no longer were a college summer league team, which I, I know it sucks for, I think it was a Coastal Plains League, but it was they did outgrown it for next year. They just announced that they're going to do a ton more, but uh, the big announcement really was that they're going to play in six major league ballparks next year. Wow. And so I, think about that. Like, they they were selling out. We sold out everywhere, everywhere. Uh, we're just seeing $25 tickets go for $500. Bucks. It, I was talking to you guys before we started this. I'm like, it's like Hamilton. It's the only thing I can think of. <laughs> that that really you know was is is had this kind of markup but you can't knock it until you tried it you, you have to see it in person you have to feel the vibe you have to feel the energy like it's just it's a it's a party it's one big party and it is as entertaining as you ever see some of these players are some of us talented that not in the sense that they're going to hit a ball 450 feet or they're going to throw 100 miles per hour but we got a dude, Dr. Meadows, that you hit a fly ball in the center field, he's doing a backflip and catching the freaking ball. Like, I just – we have Ryan Cox, who goes in between his legs, the shortstop, behind the back. He's as skilled with his hands as any Big league shortstop. Now, he doesn't have the physical tools. He's not as fast, not as strong, whatever. But it is awesome to watch, and it's just – it's something I'm proud to be a part of. And really, I think now, just figuring out – You know, how can I help progress this going forward? How can we scale it? And, you know, ultimately, I'd like to see this become a league. I think that's – they just added another team called the Firefighters, so there's now going to be three different teams uh, with this. And so I, I I think we'll probably see about six teams here in the next couple of years.
0: From your lips to God's ears, man. We're big banana disciples over here, big fans of what everyone's done over there. It's an awesome bit of fun injected to all of this, as we've got right now going on in Major League's postseason. Eric, wish we could keep you for even longer, man. Thanks so much for all the passion and energy. We'll have to talk to you again soon, brother.
1: Absolutely, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you.
0: The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn five bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. That means as we lurch towards March Madness, you can try and figure out who's gonna win this whole thing. On the men's side, teams like UConn, Houston, and Purdue. On the women's side, South Carolina, Stanford, the Lady Irish and Notre Dame, or maybe Caitlin Clark's Iowa Hawkeyes finally get over the hump. Make the decision for yourself and head over and download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code GOJO when you do. New customers can bet 5 bucks and get $150 instantly in bonus bets. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code GOJO. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. Welcome back to Gojo and Golick. Our thanks to Eric Burns who was kind enough to give us some time today. Brought to you by the folks at KT Tape. After his baseball career, he became obsessed with running marathons and ultra marathons. And any activity that could really push the human body to the limits. Eric wanted to bring awareness to KT Tape. It's a therapeutic fitness tape that I've actually used plenty of times before. It provides pain relief and support for muscles, tendons, and ligaments. You can check it out at KTTape.com. And I can assure you that stuff works. The amount of guys you see with, like, fake hamstrings that essentially get put on in the backside of their legs as support your shoulder. When you got all that tape spider web down there, that stuff will hold you in place. That first time you put it on and you really feel it lock in is pretty dang cool. So thank you to Eric. Thank you to Zach Moss from the Indianapolis Colts, who also joined us. They're a great running back who went off this season. If you miss any of that, make sure you download subscribe rate review, leave us that five-star rating and check us out. DraftKings YouTube channel live here Monday through Friday. So you don't miss it. 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern. Guys, let's get to this, that, and the third. Before we do that, speaking of promoting stuff here, obviously you guys can catch Jason Fitz doing great work over at Yahoo Sports now covering football for them. So many great interviews that you've seen out there. Also on Fox Sports Radio on the weekends, uh, Charlotte Wilder, Oddball, wherever you get your podcasts, Amin El Hassan, every day that's not Monday. Jason, is there anything else that you're doing right now that you want to pub? I know we had you on here for a while when you were in Parts Unknown. You're now doing a ton of things here, so I want to make sure I don't miss anything.
4: No, you didn't miss anything we're doing really fun stuff at yahoo though really proud of what we're doing there a lot of video content a lot of quick hit on demand stuff follow me on twitter you can find all that there or x sorry and uh check out the yahoo sports app. you don't have to call it there. x you don't okay. ever have to call it x you okay. don't have to no. call
0: him dad not even if there's a fire he's not your stepdad he's the dad who stepped up something like that if so facto vis-a-vis concordantly anyway Let's get to this, that, and the third. Three quick stories as we finish off the day here. Speaking of someone who does not want to be here, Tyler Hero really did not want to be in portland as miami heat training camp got underway tyler hero the heat's guard that was the subject of a lot of trade discussion when dame lillard said quote i didn't want to go to portland so i'm glad portland didn't want me i just don't want to be in portland so it's not personal with portland at all charlotte that sounds very personal with portland saying i don't want to be in portland because it's portland
3: Tyler Hero said a few things, and he, he also said, uh, and forgive me, I'm I'm forgetting what journalist he said this to in Miami, but he said, not only did he say, I didn't want to be in Portland, but it's not personal to Portland. He said, I looked around the league, I know my value, but I don't have to say it, I'm just going to show you. And it's like, well, buddy, first of all, it is personal to Portland, because that's a very sport- Portland-specific problem. And secondly, you did say it. You just said it. and And you know who else looked around the league? Most other teams, including yours and Miami Heat and Portland. So I guess it all worked out for you. But he, his his, uh, his logic, he's tying himself into pretzels over there, down there in South Florida. But I, I find it very entertaining.
4: I, I just want to respect somebody out there speaking the truth that needs to be spoken about Portland. I've spent a lot of time in that city with days off on the road. I, no, there's not an amount of money you could pay me to live in Portland, Oregon. Yeah, at all. I, it I is one of, one of my least favorite places I've ever wanted. Yeah, no. No, one of my least favorite places to have time off on the road was Portland. I'm out and he's on that in Miami. city entirely.
2: He's in Miami. Yeah. Like I no offense, to, actually offense to Portland. They need to they need to figure it out. I can't
0: believe the Portland slander <laughs> that's wild. going on
4: here right now.
2: As I, a Pacific I, at,
4: Northwest stand, I'm a little taken aback by this. At, at one point, I had 19 days off in a row in Portland. 19 days off because of the way our tour schedule went when I was on tour. And it was the way, there was a the place they parked us. And everybody was like, trust me, I know you don't like Portland, but this is the time you will fall in love with the city. After 19 days, I was like, get me the hell out of Portland. I am completely out on Portland, Oregon. Completely out.
3: Yeah.
1: All
0: right
4: at Jason Fitz
0: on Twitter if you want to direct your complaints to him or to Tyler Hero.
3: You just took the heat off of Tyler there, Fitz.
4: You know what, Tyler and I are going to be a tag team in the 80s, like 80s wrestling sense, and he can just tag me in and I'll come in and talk about how much I dislike that city.
0: Yeah, because when I think of people that make sense together, the unlikely animal pairing video of Jason Fitz and Tyler Hero, who to the point of this entire conversation is someone that seems to so uniquely make sense only in the context of Miami as a person and his general vibe, putting him in Portland would be one of the most insane things I could possibly think of. So let's get to something that makes a little more sense and get to that, guys. We have got the proposal set right now, according to the AP the Olympics are set to vote on a proposal that might land flag football in the 2028 Olympic games in Los Angeles. It is a proposal alongside baseball, softball, lacrosse, squash, and cricket, all sports that are trying to break their way in. But Charlotte, uh, flag football is something the NFL has been more and more pushing as a part of the youth movement of the sport here. As people understand and grapple with the violence of the game, flag football has been an easy and accessible spot for a lot more people to get in touch with the game. And we've seen these leagues take over, become really popular in part with the support of the nfl and now the potential to send any form of american football over to the olympic games was something that caught the hot the eye of wide receiver tyreek hill who said hell yeah let's run it back and get it over there so i do like that idea now that we've done flag football to make it accessible to a lot of people let's send over a team full of our best athletes from the nfl and try and make sure we ruin everyone's good time with this
3: Well, I think it would also be fascinating to watch professional NFL players play this on a high level, play flag football, because it does start, you start to think sometimes watching this game, you're like, oh, my goodness, uh, this feels very violent and everybody's getting hurt all the time maybe what if like what if someday they just played flag football i don't know that's an insane thing to say i suppose but i think what every like
0: internet commenter under a post by the nfl when they flag a hit over the middle that would have been on jacked up 10 years ago people like why don't you just put flags
4: on them well now they're gonna try to
3: it's like well let's see i don't know
4: also, though the, the rise in women's flag football statistically across America has been huge right now. So this is an opportunity to show a different side of it. Here's the one question I have. Like, do we think the rest of the world is just champing at the bit to turn around and and field a competitive flag football team? I that that's the only thing. Like, if we're gonna add something to the Olympics, I immediately look at it and say, okay, are there a bunch of athletes in Russia that are like, all right, finally get to play flag football? Like, is is Japan like tripping over each other, being like, we're gonna have the best flag football team of all time? Like, it just feels like this is a very American-centered, but like we're trying to put a sport in, we'll win a bunch of medals at. It
0: listen. I'm not above stacking the deck a little bit as we constantly <laughs> try and battle for even more medals at the top of this. Um, I do. I mean, cause we, what we saw flag football at the pro bowl. So there's some recent experience with these guys playing that I'm sure there would be a battle amongst teams to not want to let their players go over and potentially get injured. But Jason, we have seen in recent years, the NFL expanding their fan bases and de- delegating those overseas market to certain teams. We know in Mexico, the NFL is incredibly popular Germany, obviously London, there'd be a bunch of people signing up to, Play for the Jacksonville-labeled flag football team in London, I'm sure. So it'll be fascinating to see here. Something to definitely put a pin in uh, as we go forward here. But, Jesse, let's get to the third and the most important note of the day here. One particular bit of motivation for a team trying to make a deep postseason run in Major League Baseball.
2: Yeah, the Texas Rangers are out here doing what they do best, listening to Creed in the clubhouse to get hyped for games. Bet you thought that's not what I was going to say. So apparently it started when they were, like, struggling in the second half of the season this year. And now they're saying that they hope that they can get Creed playing throughout the ballpark before the games because it would fire them up if fans started singing along. So uh, Gojo, I know you're a big Creed guy, and uh, Fitz, you are not.
4: Yeah, no. I mean, look, maybe this is a hate-listen thing. Like, you get so angry, you go out and hit the ball better. Uh, Also, why are you just asking the crowd to sing along? Creed ain't doing anything. Have Creed come out and sing. Uh, Creed is going to get ready for a very profitable cruise where they are the lead musical act. How dare you, Fitz? I mean, have you sat here and broken down the New Kids on the Block annual tour uh, cruise that they do? Because every year, New Kids do a cruise, too. But you ain't out here praising the NKOTP tour cruise. Well, I could be. I would be. be if the if I the Rangers kind of were listening
3: that. to NK Yeah, bleh, 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 who who
0: abbreviates know? "New Kids on the Block" like
4: that?
3: I by the way? do it in the moment. They do. do the moment. They
4: do. They did a tour that was NKOTBSB where they went with the Backstreet Boys and they yeah, alternated they songs. Spell up the whole it out thing. on the flyer like that. No one articulates it like that. Oh, because you're a boy band expert. What are you doing here? You're over here telling me that the Creed's worth listening to, and then trying to correct me on the boy band lore. Like. We're gonna fight. this
3: is this this is the, the creed thing is why I love sports because you can get something that seems so dumb and it actually works the Rangers are like why are we here because of creed and we're all like cool love it congrats. Yeah,
0: well, like everyone so I everyone listening to Jason listen Fitzfree to, to live their life right now and get him the hell out of here for his Creed slander here. This is a pro Creed house and we will not have any of your nonsense mucking it up here, Jason. Go home today, everyone. Put on some Creed. Live your best life and make sure you download, subscribe, rate, and review us in the process. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you tomorrow.